Well, hello there. I'm so glad we can still stay in touch via media. And uh, it's a wonderful day because God is still on the throne and He has not changed in spite of everything else out there. Of course, you and I realize more and more that the earth is beginning to go through these birth pangs and uh, all that stuff that you're seeing there is part of it. So anyway, today we have uh, Brother Sharat who's going to read scriptures for us because uh, the others are a bit held up busy with work. But we'll keep going on and believing that whoever is out there will be able to receive. Amen. So don't forget, um, do not be perturbed, do not be moved. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Okay? No matter what is going on out there, God delivers the righteous out of them all. Hallelujah. We've been reading from uh, the book of Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, and it's been a tremendous blessing and um, Today I feel we should jump a little bit and go to Second Peter and um, start there, read a few things. Uh, and I'm going to read from Second Peter chapter 1. It says, of course, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, Thank God for that introduction, and it is written to those who have like precious faith, or in other words, a common faith like ours, but it is precious because we are the ones that have it, not those in the world. Amen? So i like us to read, however, verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Amen. We'll just hear that verse in Kannada, verse 2. Eredani Petra, Undu Eredwari. Devara Vishavagyu, Nama Kartanada, Esun Vishavagyu, Paridnyano Nimagi Muntagodarali, Kripeyu Shanti, Vichachagi Dorali. Amen. Notice that grace and peace will be multiplied and uh, poured out upon us according to the knowledge. The understanding we receive from God and His Word. And therefore, he goes on and says that that knowledge and understanding comes through promises based on God's integrity. Verse 3 says, According as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. Amen. So here you notice the grace and peace is multiplied to us and is given through the knowledge of Him and that knowledge comes also in the form of promises based on God's integrity that He never changes. And once He says something, that has to come to pass. Uh, otherwise His throne will not exist any longer. The universe as you know it will come crashing down and everything will be totally annihilated. But thank God, all things pertaining to life and godliness have been given to us in these precious promises. All that concerns your life. Everything to live a godly, full life on the earth 
has been given to us in these precious promises. And so we'll have to do something with those promises. You remember in our readings earlier from 1 Peter 2, he said we were coming to a stone, a living stone, precious. To others, maybe disallowed and uh, thrown away, rejected and refused. But to us who believe, he's chosen and precious. And we have come to him as unto a living stone, alive and precious to us. And we are being built up into this spiritual house to offer up spiritual sacrifices unto God, pleasing unto God by Him. So there is sacrifice involved. And um, you may say, oh wow, I'm already going through all kinds of sacrifice and, and I'm indoors and all of that stuff. But then everybody's going through that. Now, what's the special thing about us as believers? What is our sacrifice in this matter that is unique to the people of faith? And that is that we don't allow our thoughts to get moved by whatever is out there, but rather we keep them focused on God so that we can offer unto God certain thinking, certain action, certain words, and behavior in the midst of it all. Amen? That's going to be our spiritual act, our worship unto Him. Hallelujah. So it's going to come through promises that we have studied, we have believed, and uh, we have decided is a stone, a rock, a foundation upon which we build our lives. Amen. So the only time you realize uh, the real strength of a foundation is, is during the storms, the challenges out there. And after it's all over, said and done, after the dust settles, then you know, whether that life was built upon a good foundation or not. So the depth and strength of our foundation is going to be uh, based on the Word of God and how we have acted during these times out there. So I believe at the end of it all, you will stand immovable, unshakable, still going forward for God. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. But notice it says, according as His divine power has given unto us, Notice that the divine power has given to us promises. Hallelujah. God said, I've got the answer for you, for everything you need for life, for godly living, I'm giving you in the form of promises. Notice verse 4 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. We'll hear that fourth verse also in Kannada. Amen. So exceeding great and precious promises have been given to us from the divine Godhead. Hallelujah. <laughs> and we have been entrusted to receive the strength to live in the midst of the storm and challenges out there without being shaken or moved. While there's all kinds of shaking going on, our minds are going to be set, our thoughts are going to be set on these divine promises that help us to stand and escape from everything that's outside there. Do you know that God is into escape? One word for deliverance can be escape. To snatch you out, to bring you out, 
because he knows how much you can bear. So there may be many afflictions, like in the Psalm 34, many afflictions that come to the righteous, but the Lord knows how to deliver them out of it all. Hallelujah. So don't be moved. We're going to be trusting God for promises. Amen. Promises. Let's look at a promise over there in the book of Psalms also. Uh, Psalm, let's go to 43. I believe that uh, God has good stuff for his people. Hallelujah. Verse 2 says, For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto the holy hill, to thy tabernacle. So notice, his answer to all of that is, send your light. So let's read verse 3. Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Psalm 43 and verse 3. So I get light, I get understanding, I get revelation from Him and that's going to lead me to His presence, to worshipping Him, to His tabernacle. Amen? Then He goes on, Then will I go unto the altar of God, Unto God my exceeding joy, yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O Lord my God. Verse 5 says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Notice there he's saying that the light, the understanding about God being our health, And help and countenance being lifted up by that is going to be all the difference between us and the world. Amen. Our light must continue to flow. Our revelation and understanding must continue to come from the word of God. God's light leads us in paths of health and wholeness. Even though your soul wants to look down and be cast down like everybody else. Amen. So let's hear verse 5 in Canada. So you may have to tell your soul, you may have to tell your deep thoughts a thing or two in the midst of all of this. Notice that some of us have never really observed the difference and addressed our soul and challenged our thinking. We may have to pick ourselves up now and then and Really just talk to our souls and not allow it to go wherever it is by the news or by the challenges of life out there. Hallelujah. Now, another verse in 46 Psalm says in verse 2, Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be moved, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake, and the swell with the swellings thereof, hallelujah. Notice even the mountains may be carried away into the sea. You know, men's hearts failing because of all those things happening upon the earth, waters. I mean, imagine Kerala just went through some floods and some other places also not too long ago. And then next, 
comes all of this virus thing. And so, you know, you could just be like, man, what's all this? Ah, it's too much for me. But God already knew all these things a long time ago. And he said, even if the mountains be carried into the sea, <laughs> even if everything is shaken and the mountains themselves are taken to the sea, he says, I will not fear. I will not be moved. Hallelujah. So let's hear that in Kannada verse 2. Hallelujah. Imagine you'll have to tell your soul that. Listen, have you seen the mountains going to the sea yet? And if your soul doesn't have a good answer, well, even if you see the mountains going to the sea, you don't have to worry about that. You can still be glad. You can still rejoice in your God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Verse 4 says, There is a river, the streams whereof make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. He shall not be moved. I'm sorry, she shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. Hallelujah. So there is a river on the inside of the believer. God's throne is on the inside and from his throne proceeds those rivers and is supposed to make us glad and excited. Notice we haven't forgotten what we got over the beginning of the new year that we would laugh at famine and pestilence and when everybody says everything is looking down we'll say it's, it's getting better. <laughs> it's quite ridiculous. It's easy to say it when when nothing's going on but while you're in the midst of all the shaking that's when we're supposed to laugh that's when we're supposed to remind ourselves God has given us these promises amen notice verse 5 in Canada God is in the midst of her she shall not be moved God shall help her and that right early <laughs> Amen. So there is a river on the inside of us. We need to be yielding to that river. I'm sure by now, over these couple of weeks, you've been able to tell the difference between God and His word and voice and the voices that are coming on out there to your attention. The voices that are out there are moving you, pushing you, telling you to panic, telling you to be scared, telling you to be hopeless and there's nothing out there. There's no good coming your way. But within you can hear something like, Hey, don't be bothered. I'm on the throne. Get excited. I never change. You may have heard things like that by now, I'm sure. That's God's voice. That's our Father telling us things that we need to hearken to and listen to. Amen. I believe that this is what he's talking about by promises. They become real to us. They become so solid to us and they make us float along life while challenges are going on. They float through literally like a river just going down the way. Amen. And you can be glad in the midst of it all. Hallelujah. <laughs> Verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Notice that it's in the stillness that you are able to perceive these things. That's when... He's exalted. Praise God. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. 
That means pause and think upon that. Hallelujah. Let's have verse 10 also in Kannada. Shantamagiri, Nane Devaragi then in Tulikoliri, Janangalli Unatanagirvenu, Bumiali Nanu Hitches and Purvenu. Go on, brother. Hallelujah. You know, um, I heard how we were told to light candles and then bang on pots. And then today I heard we should keep quiet for some minutes and say some words. Yeah, like that, there'll always be some suggestion or the other. But here... The person who's telling us these things claims to be the Almighty, the God of Jacob, the God of Israel, who claims to be the creator of the ends of the earth, and who you and I know is our Father. So we're not just acting on some some somebody who is saying X, Y, Z in the midst of all of these things, but we're acting on the word of the Almighty, our Father. And just because things are surrounding us, and they look negative, and they look impossible, and the whole world has come to a standstill, it doesn't mean that God has changed one bit. We were made for these things. We were made to prove that the stuff on the inside of us is greater than all of these things out there. See, and you won't be able to stand there uh, and give a testimony unless you have passed through it, unless you have stood and come out on the other side. And uh, if God chose you to be on the planet during this time, it's because He knows you've got the stuff, you've got the faith of the Son of God, you've got the understanding, you've got the revelation to live right here in the midst of it all and come out on top. Hallelujah. You're more than conquerors through Him that loved you. Amen. But it's based on stilling ourselves and focusing on God's promises, being more sure about it and... Uh, Living that simple, one day at a time, acting upon the word life. Amen. Let's go back again to Second Peter, if you, if you will, back with us. Second Peter and chapter 1. Hallelujah. So we read up to verse 3. According as His divine power has given unto all, us all things. Verse 4. Exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Verse 5, being, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, patience godliness, and to godliness, verse 7, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. So he says here that there are some steps of adding one on top of the other, to the promises of God. Our faith in the promises, first of all, has to be backed up with something called virtue. Notice that. Observe there. Add to your faith virtue. That's verse 5. Can we hear that in Kannada? Amen. So notice there. That word virtue is supposed to mean uh, manliness or excellence, meaning there that we have to be of a certain attitude. For instance, if someone said, oh, he's a faith man, 
what do you expect to see? Do you expect to see someone who's going to be kind of sad and wimpy? Or do you expect someone to be courageous, very accurate, very truthful, very stable? Yeah, you understand what I'm saying, right? So the minute you talk about faith, there's a certain attitude that comes with a faith person. He's a person who's very convinced, he's resolute, he is very sound and solid, and he sticks for the truth, and he's a man who's ready to stand no matter what, right? So faith has a character that accompanies it, and that's what virtue is. It's supposed to show excellent, virtuous behavior, you know. So when a faith person uh, begins to talk doubt and begins to be sloppy and does not stand up properly and, you know, handle things in a certain way, you know something is wrong. Amen. So a faith person always has a certain type of character which is virtuous, which is showing manliness, you know. Um, we're not talking about growing a beard or having a special kind of mustache or any such thing, or spending hours and hours in the gym, although all those things may be great and good, but that's not what he means by this, you see. But it's a certain character that you said something, and you're going to make sure it comes to pass, and you're going to stick with the program until it is over. Hallelujah. Now that's a faith person. So we add to our faith in the promises of God this standing uh, power, this power to stand and defend and be with the truth no matter what. Hallelujah. It's like a dog with the bone attitude. Praise God. Aha. Uh -huh. And then knowledge. You have to increase your knowledge base. So during these times, it's a good time to go over the word, study scriptures, you know, read the old stuff that you have heard in the past and have sort of left the details out. Go read right now. Increase your knowledge base. And verse 6 says, And to knowledge, temperance. I believe that as your knowledge increases, something called temperance comes in, which is called self-control. And uh, it's based on how much you know. Self-control is based on faith plus that virtuous attitude that I'm going to stand. And so you're filling yourself up. And what you're full of begins to control you. It's a principle. It's a divine principle. So you are in a time where you can just be filling yourself up with uh, the precious promises of God, with God's Holy Ghost-given stories and encounters in the Bible, in the Word of God. And to temperance, patience, patience, godliness. Patience is the ability to stand in the midst of trials and tests. It's like the... Um, Bridge has girders under it. That's what patience is like, those pillars under the bridge. So we're going to have to develop an attitude that says, I'm just going to hang in there. doesn't matter what it looks like. And that's where I believe that one day at a time is, is the way to deal with it. You know, Don't worry about how long is this thing? Or how long are they going to continue with this man? No. Don't worry about that. It's just the 14th and there's a whole two weeks left. And No, that's not your problem. Your problem is today. Your business is to stick with it now and trust God now. Hey, all of us are going through these things, you know. Hallelujah. So let's read the sixth verse in Canada.
ಜ್ಞಾನಕ್ಕೆ ದಮೆಯನ್ನು ದಮೆಗೆ ತಾಳ್ಮೆಯನ್ನು ತಾಳ್ಮೆಗೆ ಭಕ್ತಿಯನ್ನು ಆಮೇನ್ ಸೊ ನೋಟಿಸ್ ದಟ್ ಗಾಡ್ಲಿನೆಸ್ ಕಮ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ ಆಫ್ಟರ್ ದಟ್ ಓರ್ ದಿ ಅಬಿಲಿಟಿ ಟು ಲಿವ್ ಲೈಕ್ ಗಾಡ್ ವುಡ್ ಲಿವ್ ಸಿ ಸೊ ಯು ಕ್ಯಾನ್ ಆಡ್ ಆನ್ ಟು ದಟ್ the thoughts of what would jesus do at this point so study the gospels take a glimpse at jesus how he handled things what did he do in the challenges of life he had his wits around him constantly you know he never made a mistake he was perfect he's a good example to follow others of like precious faith like paul are also there and this is a time to study that godly life in the midst of it all hallelujah In other words as you keep your mind focused on the word and these precious examples that are given to us godliness will begin to rise up within us we need a godly example to follow so Jesus would be number one and others in the word that you could identify with you know I would go with Paul and Peter awesome men of God that went ahead of us so that we would be ready for this time amen so God is equipping us to be able to handle whatever this age has you know to come triumphantly through whatever this age can bring against you that is his will that's god's plan that's god's purpose and for this he has given us these precious promises which we now add these various qualities uh, step by step verse 8 continues i mean verse 7 and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity or love notice here that the final in the step there of the ladder is love or charity king james calls it the love of god between godliness and the love of god is something called brotherly kindness so uh, the more godly you are you need to be able to realize you're not called to just be upon some hill somewhere you're supposed to affect your brother and be kind to your brother and have a target of how to bless your brother how to be a channel to reach your brother with the goodness of god amen let's hear verse 7 in uh, kannada please bhaktige sahodarana karuneyannu sahodara karunege preetiyannu kudisiri so you know you could easily be the 36 chamber of shaolin right now except for that brotherly kindness and love thing you know we are not called to be bong monastic kind of people you know waiting for that bell to ring and then we just hum off into some place but we are supposed to <laughs> develop these things and affect our brother you know and affect others around us including our enemies because love loves the unlovable praise god and so we are the ones who have this amazing ability on the inside of us so you may be surrounded by a very selfish self-centered world out there but praise god you have the love of god lodged in your spirit and rising up in your soul and it's waiting for actions and words to just come out of us amen so try to look into the love of god at this moment and see how you can be a blessing to others notice that it's it's not about you this thing that we've been talking about for weeks is how we are supposed to grow from being just selfish and receiving the blessing for whatever reasons whatever 
um, desires we have. And now because we're growing up, we're beginning to look as to how we can be a channel of blessing to others. Amen. Now, <clears throat> you will notice that this is what's going to separate the men from the boys. Usually in hard times, that's when you know who really cares about others and who doesn't. As long as everything was going fine, yeah, maybe we could think about our brother here and there. But uh, now that the, the odds are stacked against us, man, um, excuse me if I don't be bothered about you, but I got my own problem to deal with, etc., etc. Amen. <laughs> but guess what? You're the one with the love on the inside of you. And greater is the love of God on the inside of you than all the envy, strife, selfishness, division that's in the world. Hallelujah. So we're going to be going up that uh, ladder as we approach the soon coming of Jesus, trying to make sure that we have lived it out properly because He's coming. He's coming soon. Let's hear uh, the eighth verse. For if these things be in you and abound. Notice that there's something about God and abounding. He doesn't want us to stay in just, just about okay level. I'm all right, you know. How's your love work? Well, you know, I'm okay. And how's the faith going? Uh, well, I'm okay. He wants it to abound, you know, overflow. So it's out of the overflow that you're able to affect others' lives. Did you notice that? It's always when you have more than enough that it's going to reach somebody else. But if it's just enough for you, your house, you for no more, that's about it. See, but we are not supposed to live like that. We're supposed to live in a place where, hey, Lord, I want to be available so that you can flow through me and be a blessing to others through my life, Lord. And so that's the target. And uh, it's all nice and sound when you say it, but when you're facing the challenges of life, my brother, my sister, it's a slightly different story, but that's what separates the men from the boys. So hallelujah. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we are going to have to now think about this. I want to abound in these things. I want to let it overflow. I want it to come out of my life and affect others. Can we hear the eighth verse in Canada, please? Amen. So we're going to be fruitful and we're going to increase. We're not going to be dry and barren. You know, God knows where you are right now. God knows what it takes for you to do what you're doing and how you're affecting a life there, a life there, you know. And so... Thank God, He's the righteous judge. He can see what you're doing. And He's faithful. This is our moment to try and be full to overflow of these things. So, don't be discouraged now. Thank God for these moments that we live in. God found you faithful and put you into these moments. He said, you're the right person for this time. Hallelujah. And so you need to look at yourself you know, and kind of prop yourself up properly and say, yes, I, I'm the man. I'm the man for this moment. I'm the man for this season. Amen. 
Verse 9 says, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So there is some kind of myopia there, short-sightedness and memory problem also thrown in. So the person who does not do these things, act on these seven values and build up on them, is going to be having a mental problem. He forgets and he doesn't see also. He just sees around up to his nose. You know, we're not told to not... Uh, look into the future, we should be able to see, uh, but it's based on virtues and values that we have developed, and so we're able to see. Praise God. It's not because I just want to see. Well, thank God you want to see, and you've been praying for the spirit of seeing and knowing, but as you act on these realities that we've just listed out here, you will notice that your eyesight is getting clearer. Hallelujah. You're able to see. And uh, you will also remember that the old man and all of your past sins have been purged. Those things are not going to clutter you up and hinder you from going forward. See? So these seven values that are built up because of protecting your faith are going to put you across into a place where you can see so much clearer. Your vision is much clearer. This is the year of a clear vision. So I believe this is a little moment of time that we have to build up and develop our vision based on these truths. And uh, it will not hinder us from going forward. The minute these things stop, you have windows of opportunity coming before you and we will be ready to go. Hallelujah. So don't be moved. We are the people of clear vision. We are not myopic, short-sighted. We are not blind. And we don't have a memory problem. We forget what we have to forget and remember what we have to remember. We need to forget whatever has happened in the past, forgetting the things that are past, letting go of those emotional baggages. We have to let go of them and we're going to move forward. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's hear the ninth verse in Canada. Amen. So it's possible, as we've been seeing, no matter how long you've been a believer, you can always be as a newborn babe, just like that. So that's proper memory, that's proper thinking, that's godly thinking. Hallelujah. We're going to trust God and believe that these things are going to be built in because we're going to take extra time now to study and ponder on these things with the attitude of, I want to be a blessing. I want to be a channel of blessing on the planet. I want to be like Jesus. Hallelujah. He did not consider himself. He did not uh, put himself on a pedestal, but he became a servant to all. He offered his life as a ransom for all. He came and he went through a despicable death and yet he did it for us. And we have the same attitude. Amen. So self is getting a blasting as you study these things. And we're going to hang self out there to dry. <laughs> and God is going to have a field day. He's going to be enthroned in our lives. Amen.
Praise the Lord. Now, verse 10 says, Wherefore, the rather, as a result of all these things, brethren, give diligence. There's going to be some work there. That's the diligence, the effort, to make your calling and election sure. So if you've been worrying about your calling and election, if you're building up on these things, your calling and election will be sure. You don't have to worry about what is the will of God, why did he call me, etc., etc. It'll all fall into place because you are building up from these uh, faith-given steps one by one and your election and calling will be made very plain and sure and unshakable because this is the, let's just call it the square root or the foundation of everything. Hallelujah. So you don't have to worry about am I apostle, am I this and that. That's not your problem. Your problem is to just stick with this program here at your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and then love. And if these things be in you and abound, you will find out that it's going to affect your forward movement, the way you see things, and you are going to be sure of God's calling in your life. It's going to make things very clear. Praise God. So even everything that you may think God has called you for are actually based on these truths, these realities. Hallelujah. Verse 10 continues, Wherefore the rather... Brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. I found that to be a very amazing statement. I mean, he actually says you will never fall. Hmm, very interesting. Can you imagine a life of never falling? You can check the Greek again and again. You know, it makes me check again and again. Are you sure that's what you meant? And he, he does mean that. It's the same word again, again and again. He says you will never fall. Can you imagine a life where you never fall? I don't know if it's possible. What do you think? Well, if God said so, I believe it's possible. I know that you are falling less and less as you're moving closer, as you're walking with God. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I've noticed that. I don't make the same kind of dumb moves that I used to make, even though now and then it does happen. But praise God, it's not as rampant as before, right? Yeah, some things have changed, and that's the way it keeps going. It gets better and better. Your path gets brighter and brighter until the perfect day. Hallelujah. So, um, I just love the fact that it's thrown in there, that little detail that you may never fall unto him that is able to keep you from falling. That's Jude, right? God is able to keep us from falling. And um, praise God, I believe that we're going to be getting better and better in our walk with Him. Amen? Verse 11, he says, this is going to affect your entrance. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Definitely, it will affect your entrance into the everlasting kingdom. That means there are different forms of entrance into the everlasting kingdom. Amen? Ponder on that for a minute while we translate Verse 11. So notice that 
I, I have a tendency to believe that judgment will be right there itself. You know, it will be clear how you are, how, how your whole life was at the entrance itself. So, <laughs> I know, I know it's kind of weird, but how else will your entrance be different? Your entrance will be different because they know about you and what you have done. And that's why your entrance into the everlasting kingdom is different. So, praise God. Think about all these things. I'm not putting in a hard and fast, but based on these scriptures, I'm just letting you know that different entrances are possible. There's going to be, well done! And, well done! You know, all these things. It looks like a laughing matter now, but I'm telling you, <laughs> brother, sister, ah, God will help us then. Hallelujah. I think every moment we have on the earth is just another moment to make things better. What do you say? You know, it may look shrouded with uh, uncertainty, shrouded with clouds of doubt and failure out there and no hope, but you have another moment to work on yourself, to develop yourself and have a better entrance into the everlasting kingdom. You know, that, that entrance is going to be very important if you are a believer. Uh, I believe you are concerned about that entrance. I mean, the way you come into a place and how people receive you kind of affects you, doesn't it? It sure does. <laughs> and uh, some people will pay high price just to have a good reception, right? They will make sure that they are received very well in the best autocades and with the garlands and the trumpets and all the fanfare, you know, with great pomp and so on. So imagine the eternal realms. I mean, that's going to be some entrance there. And brother and sister, we don't want to miss that excellent entrance, you know, that um, abundant entrance, hallelujah, into the everlasting kingdom. So I would say it's like the exams that get, get postponed, you know those exams that you were studying and you thought, man, if only I had one more week. And then you find out that your exams have been postponed for one more week. And you're like, yay, great, now I can study for it. You know, it's that kind of stuff. So <laughs> the further you have time down here, the better for you. Isn't that what I would say? I, I think you agree with what I'm saying. We have a little more time to prepare and make sure that we can see more clearly and we can do make our calling and election sure we can do what we ought to do more excellently hallelujah amen so don't crib about these moments this is the time to say wow i got some time to fix things now nobody's disturbing me i can switch off that whatsapp and just focus on my heart motives here and ponder out my faith hallelujah Heart motives are very important. God is more concerned about things that nobody sees. Amen. Let's read uh, verse 11 again in Kannada. Thanks, brother. Amen. Notice the Dharalam, you know. That's, that's a lot. That's a big entrance. So we want a big entrance. He wants a big entrance. He wants to celebrate you. And, uh, you know, I believe that 
this is just another opportunity to get more ready for that entrance. If there's anyone who's been pretty well warned about the entrance, I think we are. Anybody out there, just with half a brain, they know, man, this must be the last days. You know, they're all figuring out something like that. You know, let's be quiet, let's light candles, let's bang on dishes, something. There's something beyond beyond all of us. It's It's out there. So... We who have revelation and understanding about these things, we should just be so glad that we have another opportunity with each day, each extra day we have. Amen. Verse 12 says, Wherefore, you know, I see the seriousness of Peter's heart here. He says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. This is the heart of the man who knew what was coming. He said, that's why I just want to make sure you people get it. I want to keep reminding you about this. He said, I want to always put you in remembrance of these things. Though you know them. You see, we know these things. I mean, these are foundational things. These are truths woven into our lives from the foundation. A good foundation always has the eternal realms, the eternal judgment aspect of it. So we know them, but he's saying there that the reminding and the constantly being put in the memory and the remembrance of it is vital. He knows the power of being reminded, reminded, reminded. So these things are powerful reminders for us as we are in this time. To remember these things always, though we know them, and be established in the present truth. Praise God. Let's hear it in Kannada, verse 12. Amen. So he's not talking to some people who don't know anything. He's actually talking to people who say they know it and who are even established in this reality of this present age, the church age in which we live. You know, too many people don't know about the church age, but some of us claim to know something about the church age. And he's saying, you need to be reminded, those of us who know, who claim to know these things, you need to be reminded again and again, there's an entrance that you're preparing for into the everlasting kingdom. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, I receive it. Verse 14 says, Knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me, moreover I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Notice here that Peter is saying, The Lord told me how I'm going to leave this earth. I'm going to put off my body and I'm going to go. My body is going to be separated from my spirit. God has already told me about all these things. And so I'm putting into process here how you will be reminded after my departure again and again. So I believe that the Holy Ghost wants us to pick up the thread here from precious St. Peter and be reminded, you know, hey, he's gone, you're going, um, you're going to be going soon. Maybe Jesus will come and take you before your body and your spirit are separated, you know, maybe these are the very last days of all. And Jesus may come tonight and just 
will just all leave. So be reminded that you can prepare yourself and be ready for that abundant entrance rather than some kind of meager, halfway type of reception at the everlasting kingdom gates. Amen. Um, what a chance. What, what a powerful thing for Peter to major on. I, I notice he's really majoring on these thoughts here. And um, being a very close disciple and apostle of Jesus, and a powerful man of God, man of faith, I tell you, brother, sister, we need to pay attention to this. What do you say? Hallelujah. Amen. Let's always be reminded of this. Maybe we should just go over these things every other day. Just read them again and say, wow, I need to be prepared for that abundant entrance. Um, the exam has been shifted a little bit, but it's coming. It's coming. That day is coming. And uh, I need to be prepared. I need to be ready. I need to develop this thing. I need to make sure I'm keeping my heart with all diligence. Amen. Verse 16, he continues. Um, can we have 15 in Canada, please? Sorry, brother. Amen. So, after his death, he has made sure that the Holy Ghost would keep reminding us of these things. Amen. Verse 16 says, We have not followed cunningly devised fables. Praise God. I mean, people are quoting this, that, the other, you know. They are thinking of all kinds of fables. But he's saying, we have not made up anything. We have not followed any cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses. We were right there when the majesty of God was revealed in Jesus. He says, a voice came from heaven, from the Father, honoring Jesus. A voice from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He said, we were there. We had this amazing opportunity to see the Father speaking from heaven. Some said it thundered and so on. You know, And Jesus was there with these two Old Testament prophets. They all appeared on that mountain. You can read about it in Matthew 17. Quite a spectacle. And these three uh, closer ones were there listening. And they said we were there when he received glory and honor from, from heaven, from the majesty in the heavens. We heard the Father honoring the Son. And we know who he is. And we have simply recorded about... Twenty generations later, we are now checking it out. And he's saying, this is history. You know, the other day I was talking about Felix and Festus and Paul and Agrippa and all that. Do you know that according to the world systems of uh, recording and history, they don't have too many documents and so they major on what the, the book of Acts had to say about it. What we have in our hands is an authentic history document. I'm telling you. This is the fact. This is what happened. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. Jesus appeared. Jesus walked with his people, lived on the earth with them for 40 days, showed them with infallible proofs that he was alive and taught them about the kingdom to come and then went back to heaven. This is reality. 
And uh, Peter said, we have not followed just cunningly devised fables and, you know, legends and myths, but we were eyewitnesses. Hallelujah. And this is the man that's telling us, I want to keep reminding you. I want your mind needs to be reminded. Hallelujah. Communion is a reminding. Everything about God, because it's now in the past, is a reminding process for us. We are the church, and the church is here after these things have happened. And so what has to be done mainly is to be reminded of what has been done. Peter knew that, and he said, I'm going to make sure you're going to be reminded again and again of these things. I will make sure you always put in remembrance. So my brother, my sister, as you read these things, be reminded that we're going to be out of here soon, and we're going to face a reception committee And we have a lot to do with the reception. And it's up to us to adjust our reception. Make sure that our election, our calling is made clear. And all of us have been called to lead people to Christ full-time. Every one of us. Uh, That's our full-time believer job. Whether you are in full-time ministry or not. Praise God. And that is a sacrifice. You're not looking at yourself And how many of you know that you you have to do more? See? So every day that you have is another opportunity to pray in that direction and choose how you can prayerfully go about it. Amen? Tell another person. Build another life. Help another person. Praise God. Preparing for that wonderful entry into that kingdom. Hallelujah. Verse 19 says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well, that you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Notice here that this is talking about accepting the word of God as a divine word to you from God. And cooperating with it, nurturing it, brooding over it, thinking upon it, praying about it, until it lights up in yourself and you realize, I've got to do this, and this belongs to me, and I need to take my place in this. Amen? Let's hear that in Kannada, verse 19. Namaku bahu dhudavada pravadaneya vakyu irutade. Adinavu velago varage and there is a certain way of interpreting these things and it's not just, you know, how we feel like. And so, whether you like it or not, God has chosen some people to help us to interpret these things properly. I was uh, reading again about Peter in Acts 4. And how that a notable miracle was done. This man was over the age of 40. He was crippled from birth. And in the name of Jesus, at the gate called Beautiful, power came into him and quickened his legs. And he walked and praised God. And it became a notable miracle. And, you know, people were shocked because they knew that these were ignorant men, unlearned men. You know, people who didn't go to the traditional studying mode of uh, society. Didn't go to Harvard or University of Jerusalem and all of that stuff. 
But instead, they are the ones that are now trying to say to us that you cannot interpret these scriptures the way you want to. There is a divine way of interpretation. There is a spirit-led uh, gift that will help you to handle the word properly. And uh, interpreting, interpreting it properly is vital to everything you do about it, you see. So it's with gloves on our hands and fearful hearts that we prayerfully handle the scripture. And we don't want to mess with what God wants us to see. Amen? You know, God wrote one book and that's the book. That's all. Imagine the God, mind of God is in that word. Everything about His way of thinking is in that word. And we are seeking for light. We are seeking for understanding. We are seeking for revelation so that we can walk through this earth realm and uh, see how we can come out on the other side successfully, triumphantly, coming home gloriously. Amen? So, don't just mismatch and uh, dissect scriptures wrongly, but there is a proper handling of the Word of God. There is a proper, studious, God-led kind of division of the Word of God. And, um, you know, light comes as we yield to Him, as we walk in the light, more light comes. So there is a life-light combination. God help us, you know. And I, I want as much light as I can have. But I have to walk in the light that I have. See? And I need to be glad in the midst of it all. Because if I'm really listening, I must be hearing the glad city on the inside. And the rivers that make that city glad. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the midst of it all, you know, I, I should be able to cast my care upon him because he cares for me. And I should be able to cast my burden upon the Lord because he will sustain me. And he will not suffer the righteous to be moved. You know that? It's an amazing scripture. And in that same Psalm 55, it talks about how his own familiar friend was going to betray him. So all these things were were already read by Jesus and understood by him. And he said, I will not allow the righteous to be moved. Hallelujah. You're not going to be moved, my brother, my sister. Amen. Now, as we, it's Bible study, so, you know, we can read and read. And uh, I'm enjoying it. I believe you are too. Praise God. It's food for us. It's uh, refreshing for our soul. God is a good God. You know, Second Peter opens with the false prophets and all that. But notice there in the ninth verse, he says, The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations to reserve the unjust unto the day of punishment. Amen. So he knows how to deliver us. Amen. Let's hear the ninth verse, Second Peter 2.9 in Canada also. Amen. So, you are the righteousness of God. It has not changed. It never changes. Trust what God has done on the inside of you. He knows how to deliver you. Trust the greater one. The greater one knows how to deliver you. Hallelujah. Don't trust your own flesh. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the greater one. Trust in He who knows how to deliver His people. 
He knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. And we are not going to be beguiled by whatever others are saying here and there. I'm jumping off to Second Peter 3, and here we have a summary of what he has been saying in verse 1. He says, This second epistle, beloved, now write I unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. So this is what he's been doing. He said, this is this, just a remembering thing. I want you to be stirred up by reminding you. As you get reminded over and over, you get stirred up. You get fired up. You, you become zealous about it. You, you become hot about it. You're like, mm, I'm going to do this. So what engages our mind again and again is what's going to stir us up to do something about it. And Peter knows that, the Holy Spirit knows that. So this may be a wonderful time to go over this again and again. Notice they're not too long. They're just two, three pages and that's it. But you just go over it again and again and it will stir you up to do something about it. You know, we've got to be so stirred up that we want to do something about it. We want to make an adjustment. We want to make ourselves more ready for that abundant entrance. Amen? Hallelujah. He said, um, Be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, by the commandment of us, the apostles. Notice that he's saying, they themselves, including him, apostles, apostles of our Lord and Savior, knowing this first, they shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lusts. Notice verse 3 in Canada, please. So there's going to be some group called scoffers. And um, they just walk after their own desires naturally. They're led only by natural desires. Verse 4 says, and they will say. Notice, scoffers led by natural desires, and they will say some things. Okay? They will say, where is the promise of His coming? Hmm. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. In other words, where is He coming? Coming soon, coming soon. Nothing has changed. It's just the same from the creation. Hallelujah. Now notice, we are at the place where People are saying, He's coming soon, He's coming soon. The end is near and all of those things. So, <laughs> um, how does the scoffer apply to us? Well, the mentality of the scoffer is, He's not yet here. So, we got time. That's the mentality of the scoffer. So, don't say, He's not yet here, so we have time. But rather, He's not yet here, we have time. Let's devil up. Amen. Are you getting that? Let's read verse 4 in Kannada. He says, For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, underline the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water, and in the water. Six continues, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished, 
Notice that it was by the word of God these creations took place and then overflowed with water. Verse 7, But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word, underline word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Notice that he's now talking about a revelation that he has, which you can see in the scripture, where the end involves fire and uh, fire dissolving the elements of nature and creation and ungodly men also. Notice that Peter and Paul have a different revelation when it comes to certain parts of the end. So there is an end that Peter is talking about and that's the end of it all, finish, where the elements are going to melt with fierce heat and fire and all of those things. And um, that's going to happen. That's going to be the end of the show, basically, where God wipes out everything and starts with a new heaven and earth that in which dwells only righteousness. Amen. Verse 8 says for us, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. This verse is important because you need to get it that this is where a lot of things hang. He says, with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. Shall we hear that in Kannada, verse 8? You know, Peter said, don't be ignorant of this one thing. It's a very important thing. He says, keep this in your thoughts. With God, one day equals thousand years. A thousand years equals one day. Notice in the creation account, in the restoration of the earth, I'm using that word restoration because there was a previous order of creation before that. He took six days and restored things. And on the seventh day, he rested. So, if one day equals a thousand, then after six thousand comes the rest. Guess what? From the time of creation, according to the scripture, till now, it's been six thousand years plus. So, we are in the very end. And the seventh and the seven thousandth year or is now supposed to be rest. In other words, the millennial reign of Jesus. So we are just in between the sixth day and the seventh day, or we're just at the very end, entering into the millennial reign of Jesus. How, how short do you think that is? That's real short. It's just a few days. Hallelujah. Can you see that? So the seventh day is supposed to be that 1,000 year period where we enjoy Jesus ruling and reigning on the earth. And Peter's end story there is after all that. Praise God. So we are there just about exiting into that tribulation period, which is going to be seven years. And then after the seven comes the thousand years. So we are between six and seven. Can you see that? We are the last little sliver of time there. Let's read this in Canada also, verse 8. 
ಕರ್ತನ ಎಣಿಕೆಯಲ್ಲಿ ಒಂದು ದಿನವು ಸಾವಿರ ವರ್ಷಗಳಂತೆಯೂ ಸಾವಿರ ವರ್ಷಗಳು ಒಂದು ದಿನದಂತೆಯೂ ಅವೇ ಎಂಬುದನ್ನು ಮಾತ್ರ ತಿಳಿಯದವರಾಗಿರಬೇಡಿ in quotes delaying otherwise he could just come but he's so bothered because once you miss that calling on the name of Jesus once you miss this great day in which you can just call on the name of the Lord and be saved man it gets tougher and tougher just you know in the tribulation time you will be beheaded for hanging on to the name of Jesus it's a very precarious time that is about to start a very 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 terrible time like never before on the earth it's called the great tribulation like never before so we are just in the very uh, end of the church age here almost uh, welcoming this tribulation time that's why he wants to make sure everybody gets in before that time he's a patient god he's a merciful god he knows hell he knows heaven he knows things that we cannot see beyond our nose and he loves us and he loves humanity so much and that's why he's in quote delaying but the clock is still ticking and the earth itself is quitting on us see the earth itself wants to shut down because its time is running out in the midst of it is a very merciful god who wants to make sure we get the maximum people into heaven imagine if this is true just for a minute imagine if this is actually true man we have some serious praying and believing and acting to do hallelujah let's read a uh, verse 9 in kannada kartanu tanna vaagdanada vishayavagi tada maduttane embadagi kelavaru enisiruva prakara aatana tada maduvaatanalla aadare yavanadaru naashavagudrali aatanu ishtapadade ಎಲ್ಲರೂ ಪಶ್ಚಾತ್ತಾಪ ಪಡಬೇಕೆಂದು ಅಪೇಕ್ಷಿಸುವನಾಗಿದ್ದು ನಮ್ಮ ಕಡೆಗೆ ದೇವ ಶಾಂತಿಯುಳ್ಳವನಾಗಿದ್ದಾನೆ ಹಾಲೆಲೂಯಾ ದಟ್ಸ್ ದಿ ವೇ ಇಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಸೋ ಯು ಕ್ಯಾನ್ ಸೀ ಪೀಟರ್ಸ್ ರೆವಲೇಷನ್ ಇನ್ ವರ್ಸ್ 10 ಹಿ ಸೇಸ್ ಬಟ್ ದ ಡೇ ಆಫ್ ದ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ವಿಲ್ ಕಮ್ ಆಸ್ ಅ ಥೀಫ್ ಇನ್ ದ ನೈಟ್ ವಿಚ್ ದ ಹೆವನ್ ಶಾಲ್ ಪಾಸ್ ಅವೇ ವಿತ್ ದ ಗ್ರೇಟ್ ನಾಯ್ಸ್ ಎಲಿಮೆಂಟ್ಸ್ ಶಾಲ್ ಮೆಲ್ಟ್ ವಿತ್ ಫರ್ವೆಂಟ್ ಹೀಟ್ ದ ಅರ್ಥ್ ಆಲ್ಸೋ ಅಂಡ್ ವರ್ಕ್ಸ್ ದೇರ್ಇನ್ ಶಾಲ್ ಬಿ ಬರ್ನ್ಡ್ ಅಪ್ ಸೋ ದಟ್ಸ್ ದಟ್ಸ್ ವಾಟ್ ಹಿ ಸಾ ಮೀನ್ ವೈಲ್ ಪಾಲ್ ಹ್ಯಾಡ್ ಎ ರೆವಲೇಷನ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ರಾಪ್ಚರ್ where we are snatched out of the earth before these things happen and we are enjoying a realm of life with God and Jesus of great restoration hallelujah so of course there's going to happen these realities also the earth's going to be burnt up um it's going to happen it's it's going to be a surprise to the earth but uh, we're trying to let them know it's coming Verse 11 says seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of the Lord wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved the elements shall melt with fervent heat nevertheless we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth 
righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you be found of him in peace and without spot, blameless. Notice here that this is our concern. That, thank God, we'll be raptured out of here, but since the earth is going to be melted, everything's going to pass away, you know, uh, your heart must be different. Your deep thoughts must be a little different. Your expectations, your targets, everything about us must be a little bit different. Our manner of life must be different. Amen? Let's read uh, verse 14 in Kannada. Now, if you knew that everything, suppose you had houses, cars, etc., etc., and they were going to be burnt up in one week's time, what would you do? <laughs> I guess you look for a way to quickly sell them or give them to somebody who's a believer, right? Because you know that if it's given in the name of Jesus, it's better than just letting it stay there and be burnt up, right? Quite a thought, huh? See, I believe we have an opportunity to think properly and consider, you know. Of course, people have come before us. I've heard ancient stories of people who thought the rapture was coming years ago and they did stuff like this and they just gave everything <laughs> and all that stuff. And, of course, Jesus didn't come and... Uh, you know, they became the laughing stock. But guess what? If they did it in faith, they still gave it to Jesus. Are you getting what I'm saying? It can't be given out of fear. It must be in faith. Because God is a faith God. And that means you have to believe that rewards are coming to you at the same time. Recompense is coming to you at the same time. See, if you knew that your bank account was going to be stolen and raided by the owner of the bank... Would you invest in that bank? I guess not. And already, I mean, banks are already doing that stuff. And all these things are happening because hearts of men have become fierce and mean and selfish. and You know, just like it is supposed to be in the last days. Hallelujah. So think about it. He says, what manner of men ought you to be if you have these thoughts in your mind? How would you think? How would you invest? How would you speak? How would you act? Where will your main targets be? Etc. See? Um, that's going to produce some change. You know, By now, uh, maybe two months or, or so have passed ever since these times. I'm sure that churches all over the world have experienced a certain reduction in the giving. Hehehehehe. <laughs> I'm sure that they have noticed that people are scared and people are holding on to their money. And that's normal, you know. And it ought to be like that, just naturally speaking. You, you're not going to go just start giving left, right, and center when you don't know what's going to happen to your family, what's going to happen to your children, what's going to happen. Is the supermarket still going to be there? Um, you know, it's all this insecurity and fear out there. You know, but just, it has to be thought through properly uh, with faith in the heart and with godliness and desire of heaven. You know, so 
you're not going to be cheated, but you have to think properly about all these things. You know, not short-sighted. You can see clearly, and not having a brain problem or you know being moved by your sins. So you're not doing things uh, based on your guilt. Your sin of the past is not moving you to do these things so that you get brownie points or whatever with God. See? No, it has to be based on freedom, that you are the righteousness of God, and you are thinking clearly, and you are seeing into the things of God, and you know that you have to choose wisely. See? So, um, praise God. These are things you have to consider as we approach these particularly challenging times. You cannot be moved by fear. You cannot be pushed around by stuff that's going on. Your seed is precious. Whatever you have in your hands is precious. And God sees it as precious. And uh, you don't have to be cheated and you don't have to be conned. But at the same time, we're supposed to be leaving the earth. And so, Paul said 2,000 years ago, that if only in this world you have hope, then of all men, you are most miserable. So we have to look beyond this realm also and see the hope that is waiting for us in heaven and uh, what we should do about it. You know, Jesus met the rich man who had been such a great guy and Jesus looked at him and loved him and he seemed like he wanted to know all the right answers. And Jesus said, really? You really want to know the right answers? Yeah. Uh, do this, 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 this. He said, yeah, I did it all. He said, great. I know you did it all. Awesome. How about you sell all you have, give to the poor, receive treasures in heaven, and then come follow me. Ooh, that was too much for him. What? And the Bible says that he had much possessions. He had much treasures on the earth. So there's a way that you can transfer treasures into heaven. And uh, it's not going to appeal to you, I'm telling you, if you're just a natural person. It's going to make you sad and you may just throw away the whole offer and backslide and just forget about this Jesus business. But on a serious note, as a believer with like precious faith, you may have to consider where your real deposits are, where your heart really is, and where your treasure really is. And you have to take care of your family at the same time. And you have to ponder clearly about these things because the Bible is not a book of con jobs, but it's a very clear God Almighty Father, better than any natural father, thinking through clearly and being reminded of these things, you see. So, let's see if we have some scriptural insights into this stuff. Now, over there in Acts chapter 4, they were persecuted because of the name of Jesus. And verse 23 says, they came to their own company and they prayed. So, notice that the own company is vital. And when you're persecuted and chased and pestered and suffering, you come to your own company and you pray and you believe God and you stand together. Thank God we have our company still available by the net. Although it's not you know, ideal, but we're still there to believe, to stand, to declare, to pray, etc. 
And, uh, you know, they, they were persecuted and they, they suffered shame for the name. And around that season of time, it says that people who had property sold it and came and put it at the apostles' feet. You know, so they just had a signal that, man, I, I cannot really invest so much in this place. I need to transfer this into heaven. And so they began to sell. And one of them that did it was Barnabas. And uh, he sold land and put it at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made for believers. So believers did not lack anything. Notice that. You see, so you may have to consider that they were going to be driven away with the persecution as it is written that they, they had to flee Jerusalem, that all of them fled Jerusalem except, except it says, for the apostles. See, so chapter 8 begins like that. Chapter 8, verse 1, Saul was consenting unto his death at that time. There was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. So everybody else scooted off. So how are you going to go to a new land and expect something to meet your need? You know, you must have sowed to receive because you're going to a brand new place. You know, I, I had to come to Bangalore and um, I didn't know anybody in Bangalore, but I felt I should sow my chain the only chain I had at that time, which my mother had given me. So I went to her and asked her, is this truly my chain? And she said, why are you asking me such a question? And I said, I just want to know, is this mine? She said, yeah, it's yours. So I, I went down the road and cashed it and put it into a mission work. And they gave me a receipt for it. And it went to some missionary guy in North India. And that was my, my first and heavy seed, you know, to my work. And I came to Bangalore and I stayed in Bangalore in a house for free for one year. I didn't have to pay anything. And that place had marble floors and a big garage and it was a really nice place. I didn't have to pay a pie for it, you know. So, hallelujah. Let's read that over in Canada also. Acts chapter 8 from verse 1. Saulanu, Avana Kolegi, Sammatisavanagitu, Akaradali, Yerusalem in the Dutta Sabege, Imseuntaitu, Apostle Hratagi, Yellaru, Yudaya, Samaria, Simigali, Chadari Hodor. See that Chadari, they were scattered. So they had to now move to all these various different towns where they knew nobody and expect that God would meet their needs. And God is faithful and He did meet their needs. Amen. So, you know, during these times, you, you may have to start thinking a little bit. Suppose Jesus comes and takes us out of here tonight. How is it going to be? You know, you're going to have to leave your TV. Bye-bye, Mac Pro. Wave it a goodbye. Kiss your TV or whatever. Man, it's tough. Just thinking about it gives me the hippies. But I said, Jesus, I want my cats with me. Gotta have them. Yeah, I told him. I said, no, we have to. You know that matter business and chemistry? Remember, Lord? 
how matter is not destroyed but is transformed from one form to the other? Yes, I mean it. I'll hold their hands and we got to have them in heaven. That's the deal. <laughs> and I thought about it, you know, they are my cats, me and my household shall be saved, delivered, protected, preserved. So in your case, it may be fish, birds, doggies, whatever. <laughs> we'll all go home together in Jesus' name. But we can't take the house, we can't take the jacuzzi, we can't take the Ferrari, we can't take Lamborghini, we can't take the ambassador, we can't take the cycle or the bike. All these things have to be dumped. And you can't take the bank account either. You have to think about it, you see. Don't say, I did not tell you. Think about it seriously. Ponder the matter nicely. Make some choices from your heart based on the scripture. Seeing that all these things will be dissolved is the ultimate. Our case is, seeing that we'll have to leave all these things, what am I going to do? Are you getting this? Very interesting thought. So, they had done that. And let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 8, very famous chapter for verse 9. You remember? Verse 9 is about how he became poor for us, that we through his poverty might be rich. He says, you know the grace of our God, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that we through his poverty might be rich. Awesome. But notice how it starts. He says in 2 Corinthians 8, 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction... Notice that the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded onto the riches of their liberality. If you've heard that scripture before, it's okay. But let's hear it properly. They were deeply poor, but their response in the trial, in the affliction, was not to hold back, but to give. Are you getting this? 4, verse 3 says... To their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of ministering to the saints. In other words, if you read other versions, it says they begged, please give us a chance to give to the saints, not just the guys on the street, the saints. And they begged for an opportunity. Hallelujah. Can we hear that in um, Canada, please? 2 Corinthians 8.1. You see that? So it's called Devar Kripa. It's called grace. And the Bible continues to talk as you read down that they were taught disgrace, and so uh, Paul was expecting Titus to teach the Corinthians also. See? So it's something that you open your heart to and get teaching on. And say, okay, so my reaction is not based on fear. My reaction is based on faith. In the midst of the trial, in the midst of the problem, I'm going to look inside and see if I can give God my best seed. 
Yes. Does that sound like a con job? It does. But you have to think about it in terms of you may be leaving this planet and not moved by fear, not moved by coercive words from the preacher, but by the word of God. And fearlessly, full of faith, whatever it is, God knows. God knows what you have. You know, in this account here, he says, not because of what you don't have, but what you have. You see, so based on what you have, you are doing this. And um, God sees it, and it gets moved into his logbooks and his transactions, and he's better than any Jewish banker and any Boston banker, and any Hong Kong, Shanghai banker, and he knows how to handle the books, but you have to trust him, and don't whine and complain about it, I'm telling you. Just something to really think about in a sober manner, because when it comes to the cash, mm -hmm, that's when you're talking. So you will notice that during these times, worldwide, churches are taking a hit, because J-O-B is being shaken, because natural things are being shaken. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken. He said it. But you have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So why don't you invest in a kingdom that cannot be shaken? Hallelujah. Well, let's keep going. Verse 5 said, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You see, so they, they submitted to God and then to those people of God also. So there must be trust there. You know, I know you've been dragged over the coals by men of God and you've been hurt and busted and disgusted and whatever. But there has to be some element of trust based on the scripture. Amen. So, you know, you give your heart to God and you also trust the people who are over you. Verse 6, In so much that we desire Titus that as he has begun so, he would be finished, or rather, he would also finish in you the same grace also. So the same grace that he helped with the Philippians or the Macedonians should be taught to the Corinthians. Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. He's saying, you need to get this also, along with everything else. You know, verse 8 says, I speak not by commandment, by, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. He says, it's proof that you love. Because love is not just in words. It follows through in giving an action. For you know the grace of our God. Notice that. Of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. What is he saying? Grace has already paid for you to be rich. You believe that? Trust him. He's the one who's going to handle these things. I believe and herein give my advice for this. It's expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. So they had begun, and he said, you started, why don't you finish it? Now, 12 says, 
For if there be first a willing mind, it's accepted according to that a man has, and not according to what he has not. I do not mean that some be eased and the other be burdened, but an equality. He's saying that so that everybody gets something. You see? And it is written, this way people may have the communist idea that, you know, God wants everybody to be in the communist mode. But there are certain times when harsh times come on the earth where God wants everybody to get something. And he's got his own way of doing it. So, you know, you'll have to listen inside. You have to think about all these things. You can't be pushed and forced, but prayerfully contemplate all these things and see, am I acting just based on external things, fear-based worry-based things like the rest of the world or am I going to act on faith and love and being a blessing on the earth? Amen? Now notice, as we keep going down, we reach verse 21 and he says, providing forth honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. So we, we would like you know people to know that we like to be open with things before God and man. Amen? Praise the Lord. Just some thoughts there. If you knew you were leaving tonight, would you do things differently? Uh, what would your priorities be like? Um, what would you put your main um, focus on? And where will your main investment go, etc.? It may be worth thinking about it right now. We are living in some strange times. I'm not... I'm not saying he's coming tonight, but if he comes tonight, if he comes next week, even if he comes next month, or if he doesn't come, I still think it is a good way of thinking so that you have put what you ought to put in the right place. And it's going to affect you, and it's going to affect your entrance into heaven. Think about it. Hallelujah. God is a faithful God. I know... (laughs) These are trying times. And now we have another thing to think about. But really, let's not say God did not tell us or have it in His Scripture. And it has all happened before these things have already happened. And the Philippians, who yielded, uh, the Bible declares, that's the people that said, My God shall supply all, all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. They got that promise specifically. Did you notice that? So they had given in their condition under distress and all manner of poverty and lack. That's when they gave. And so that's a negative way of doing things. You know, when everything is going like that, that's when you hold back. But for us of faith, that's when we give. That's not the time to hold back. That's the time to believe God. That's the time to trust God. You know, build yourself up on the grace of God in these thoughts. I'm not saying that you should just act whimsically. I'm saying you should think about it and make a proper choice. Hallelujah. Let God be our reference. Let His Word be the final authority. Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen? Hallelujah. So, we're going to take... uh, the offering, and if you would like to give, it's a good opportunity to give in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord. We give in Jesus' name. We thank you that this moment in time is very precious. While the earth is going through a major shaking, while jobs and conditions look so negative, we are putting seed in your hand, Holy One. 
We are giving in Jesus' name. We're expecting mighty, mighty harvest, transactions in heaven, things flowing uh, by your hand and by your power. And our God should supply all our need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you'd like to give, if you'd like to tithe, you can get in touch with us and we're available online. We're so grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, team. Thank you, Brother Sharat. Thank you for taking time. I appreciate it and I thank and bless God for your lives. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen.